0: All summer long, we've been looking at the gospel according to, to Mark. And Mark, Mark tells these two stories kind of in conjunction. A few weeks ago, I told you how Mark does a Mark sandwich where he begins a story and then goes to another story and then he circles back around and, and finishes the first story. Well, that's what he does here, it's a Mark sandwich. And, the, and, and so he connects these two very, very different stories, very, very different circumstances together. And the best way for me to describe how he, uh, why, why he would connect these two particular stories together is to tell you a story from, from years ago. When I was in high school, uh, junior or senior year in high school, I coached a little league baseball team, nine and 10-year-olds. We were the mighty Blue Jays. We played more like the awful Tigers, but we were the mighty Blue Jays. And I, I'm sure that had absolutely nothing to do with coaching. But anyway, so, so we had this team, nine and 10-year-olds, and we had a kid on the team named Joe. Joe hated baseball, uh, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, I'm glad the Tigers are about to play, they're, you know, 60 games, they've only got 60 games left in the season and they're tied for first place, we haven't been able to say that in a long time. So, so I, Joe hated baseball though, his dad had visions of Joe being the next, you know, Justin Verlander, Joe had visions of him being the next Joe. And, and he wasn't obstinate, he wasn't, uh, uh, he was a nice kid, he just didn't wanna play. And so his formal protest against baseball was he refused to swing when he went up to bat. Joe led the league in strikeouts, which would have been a great thing if he was a pitcher, but he was an outfielder. And so every time he went up to bat, he would either get a walk, you know, four balls, or he'd strike out, three strikes. He'd never move, he was like the Statue of Liberty. I tried everything to get that kid to swing a bat. I promised him candy, he, he, he wouldn't take it. I promised him you know ice cream, wouldn't take it. I promised him to go to the Tiger game, that was worthless. I, I, I promised him everything. He would not swing all season long. Toward the end of the season, I don't know, there's a couple games left. And the other team, the opposing team, had a lot of friends, I could tell by the interaction before the game, he had a lot of friends on the other team. And so just before Joe went up to bat, I said, Joe, now's your chance. Are you, all your friends are on the other team. Go, now's your chance to, to, to swing the bat, get a hit. Show those, your friends that you can hit. He goes, well, I do have a lot of friends on the other team, except the pitcher. I don't like that kid. He's the bully of the school. And I got an idea. I said, Joe, he's the bully at your school? He said, yeah, I don't like that kid. I said, so Joe, you're going to go up to bat, and you're going to tell the school bully that he can do anything he wants to you. So you're gonna go up there And you're just gonna hold your bat And you're not gonna swing And if he wants to walk you that's okay If he wants to strike you out that's okay If he wants to hit you with the baseball That's okay You're not gonna do one thing about it You're just gonna stand up there And take whatever he's gonna throw at you That struck a chord in little stubborn Joe And he said I'm not gonna let him do that I said well yes you are You go up there you don't swing That's what you're saying Joe said not me And he went up and guess what Now, you think that I'm going to say Joe hit a home run, you know. This is not a made-for-TV movie here. Joe went up there and struck out. But he struck out swinging. We went crazy on uh, on, on our dugout. You know, all the kids on the team, they were cheering, they were screaming. The other team must have thought we were crazy, you know. We came back, we're giving Joe high fives. You know, pri- prior to that, we'd always been joining in with the other team. Maybe hey, I had a better, better, better swing. Joe never did, but then he did. We played a couple more games after that. And I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember if Joe got a hit or not, but I know this, he kept on swinging. And I tell you that story to say these two stories, Jarius's, Jarius and his daughter who was sick and then died, this woman who had been sick for 12 years, be, both of them decided they weren't gonna take it anymore. If they were gonna go down, they were gonna go down swinging. They, 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 they had had, a, you know, they were at the end of their rope, didn't know what else to do. If they were gonna go down, they would go down swinging. All right, chapter five, Mark's Gospel. Turn there with me if you have your, your Bible. We're gonna look at it beginning with verse 21. When Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was by the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and he implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be, may be well and I'll live. Now, Jairus was a synagogue ruler. That might not mean much to you, but that's a very important guy. The last time that Mark describes Jesus having a confrontation or a conversation with some religious authorities was on Mark chapter three and it didn't go well. The religious bigwigs from Jerusalem came down. They called Jesus Satan. It didn't go well. Well, here's one of their own, Jairus, synagogue ruler. To put that in perspective, a synagogue ruler would have been like the, the town's mayor, he was ahead head of the civic affairs, the town's uh, superintendent of schools, he was ahead head of the educational affairs, and the town's best preacher, he was ahead fr- head of the religious affairs. All rolled into one guy, very important guy. But when he comes to Jesus, he's not surrounded by an entourage of yes men, he's not riding on a high horse. In fact, the Bible tells us that he, he falls at Jesus' feet and begs him to go with him. Don't miss the point that Mark is making. In Mark chapter five, earlier, when Jesus uh, chased the the legion of demons out of that guy, he did the exact same thing. In Mark five, verse six, the the Bible says, when he, that that demon-possessed guy, saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. So the worst guy in the world, 6,000 demon guy, the worst guy in the world submits to Jesus' authority. And then in verse 22, one of the best guys, synagogue ruler, also submits to Jesus' authority, Mark's point, you can be the worst of the worst, you can be the best of the best. We all need Jesus. That's Mark's point. So Jarius comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, begs him to go to his house, tells him about his daughter, very, very sick. Jesus says, okay, let's go. So they start to go, and that's when the Mark sandwich comes in. Before Jesus can get to Jarius's house and, 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 and heal his daughter, he, they're interrupted. A lady's been sick for 12 years. Like like Jarius, if she's gonna go down, she's gonna go down swinging. And so Mark writes this in verse 24, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians, spent all she had, but was no better, but rather grew worse, she's desperate. Many physicians, spend all their money, no better, really worse, desperate. Now you know what's gonna happen, this isn't really a spoiler alert, Jesus is gonna heal her, and he's gonna go to Jairus' house, and he's gonna raise the little girl from the dead. This isn't a, 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 you know, it's not a secret. So the lady heals, Jesus heals the lady. She grabs Jesus, she's in this crowd. She grabs Jesus' clothes, doesn't even, Jesus doesn't even know he healed her, but he does, boom, you know, miracle. And then some messengers come right after that and tell Jairus, listen, it's too late. Your, daughter, your daughter's passed away, you gotta come home, we gotta make fa- funeral plans. But that's when the story story really takes off. Because Jesus looks at Jairus and says this, do not fear, only believe. If you're using your journal, that's what you need to circle that verse, maybe underline it, maybe put a star by it. We're gonna come back to it in a minute. But what powerful words, do not fear, only believe. Jesus gets to Jairus' house, there's some paid mourners, the girl has passed away, there's paid mourners there. You think, paid mourners, what in the world? In the first century, if you were wealthy, you would pay people to come to mourn. They would wail and carry on and, and, and you know, just, uh, uh, just just make a commotion. They would do that. The more mourners you had, the more important the person was, the more deeply loved they were. So if you were rich, you would pay people to come and they would wail and carry on. I was a paid mourner once when I was in seminary. When I was in seminary, there's a local funeral home, and if a family didn't have enough uh, people to be pallbearers, they would hire seminarians to do it. And so I did several times, I would go, I'd put on my black suit, tie, sit on the front row, look very, very sad, and, and you know carry the, 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 the casket out to the, the hearse, and then when we got to the cemetery, take the casket from the hearse to the grave, and, and for my trouble, I got paid $25. Back then, you know, I, was, I was working a part-time youth pastor at Presbyterian Church making $125 a week. $25 was pretty good money for two hours' we, work. So, you know, I had to try my best to sit on the front row with black suit, black tie, you know, sit there not smiling because I was getting $25. You know, I had to kind of act sad for this person I didn't know. It was a paid mourner. Well, Jesus gets to the house. He kicks out the paid mourners, takes Jairus, the little missus, three disciples, James, Peter, John, they go in. Of course, you know what's going to happen. She's going to raise that girl. Six people walk into that house. Seven people walk out. That girl was raised from the dead. You know, there's only three resurrection stories in the New Testament. This is the only one that Mark tells. There's this story where Jesus was invited to go to Jairus' house. There's the widow of Nain in Luke chapter seven. Jesus just shows up in the town of Nain. The funeral procession's going on. He goes up to the casket, raises his son from the dead. And then, of course, Lazarus, who kicked the bucket four days before Jesus got there and Jesus called him out of the grave. And, and Mark's point, this is the only one, he doesn't tell about the widow of Nain, he doesn't tell about Lazarus. This, Mark's point is Jesus conquers death. That's the, the, the big story here, Jesus Conquers death. Jesus shows up, and death is gone. Now, now again, remember, Mark sandwiches these two stories together. So let me compare them and contrast them really, really fast. The sick woman; she was an outcast, considered unclean. That's blood disorder. Meant that she could not. She was treated like a leper. She couldn't go to synagogue. She couldn't worship. Couldn't be around her family. She was an outcast. It was terrible. On the other hand, Jairus and his daughter; they were the ultimate insiders. He was the synagogue ruler. He was the you know the big cheese. La di da. The woman, the sick woman, she came to Jesus in poverty, didn't have anything, spent all her money, the Bible tells us. Jairus came to Jesus in wealth and privilege. The woman had been sick 12 years. Guess how old the little girl was, 12 years old. The sick woman, she had been to doctors, she had spent all of her money, nobody could help, incurable, the dead girl was, (laughs) she was dead. Uh, Most people would say that's incurable, unless of course you're Jesus. The sick woman, she grabbed a hold of Jesus. Jerry, Jesus grabbed a hold of the little dead girl. The sick woman was healed secretly, but announced publicly. The dead girl, Jesus went there publicly, but healed her secretly. To the sick woman, Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of this disease. Your faith has made you well. And of course, to Jairus, he said, Do not fear, only believe. What's the common thread in these stories? Jairus and the sick woman. They had faith in Jesus. They both believed that Jesus was the one and only one that could remedy their lost cause. In both cases, the sick, the sick woman and Jairus and his sick daughter, then dead daughter. They, they thought they knew what was gonna happen. They thought they knew how things were going to work out. In fact, but things didn't go exactly, exactly, exactly as they planned. We know it has a happy ending, but it didn't go exactly as they planned. And you know, sometimes we think we know how God should work, we think we can add it all up. Two plus two equals four, this is how you need to do it, Lord, it seems simple to me, you just need to do this and this and then that will be the outcome. But God's math and our math isn't always the same. Sometimes God multiplies, sometimes God subtracts, sometimes God adds. I'd like to say God never divides, you know, that's Satan's job. Believe me, he tries to do that even in pandemics and times like this, God, uh, Satan tries, don't let him. Well, how does God work? That's up to God Almighty. It's not up to you, it's not up to me. God, God does things the way God wants them to be done. The sick woman, no doubt, was thinking, all right, this is what I need to do. I need to go through that crowd. I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down Swing. I'm not supposed to be in a crowd, but if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go into that crowd. I'm gonna see Jesus come walking by. All I need to do is grab, his, grab a, a, a portion of his coat. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm gonna grab a portion of his coat, and then I'm gonna slink back into the crowd. No one will be the wiser, and I'll be well. That's what she thought was gonna happen. And Jarius, no doubt, he thought, "Well, all right, my daughter is sick. Jesus has healed lots of sick people. My daughter is sick. I'll convince Jesus come to my house, and he'll touch her, and he, he, and, and he'll be well. That's and she'll be well. That's the plan." Of course, the messengers come up and tell him, "Listen, it's too late. Uh, you got to change your plans. Don't bother. Don't bother Jesus. Come on home. We've got we've got to plan a funeral. It's too late." Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus said. Kind of like, kind of like, ah, oh, I hate to make this comparison. Kind of like Rocky Balboa. I don't know, how many Rocky movies has there been? Like 124? Well, there's one scene in one of them that I want you to watch. Check this out.
1: Imagine trying to clean this place. <laughs> now, seriously, it's my boy. Right, you guys, uh, I'll catch up with you all later, okay? Robin, I want to hang with me. How you doing, champ? I'm good. Yo, man, there's no reason for neither one of us to get hurt in this fight. I'll do my best to carry you. Make sure you save face. There'd be no embarrassment. But I promise you, if you try to press me, you hit me, you hurt me, you hit me low, cheap shot me, I'll get you out of there. You know, uh, a lot of people come to Vegas to lose, I didn't. It's already over. It doesn't Joe. It's over. What's that from, the 80s? It's probably in the 70s. Just remember what I said. Hey, yo, ten. Yo, ain't you a little scared? I don't get scared. You know, I think you try a little harder when you're scared. This is uh, what has worked for me. Scared, I? Nice. Oh, yeah, you ain't scared of me. Come wanna see what you got. Hey, don't hit me, I'm brittle.
0: It ain't over till it's over. It's not from the 80s, not from the 70s. Goes all the way back to Jesus. He would've said the same thing, it ain't over till it's over. Now Rocky goes on to say, aren't you scared? Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. It's a powerful verse. And I think we need to spend a little more time on that verse this morning because it's been invoked a lot (laughs) through this uh, season and coronavirus that we're in. You know, I'm not fearful, I'm faithful, people say. I've heard some preachers use this verse to, you know, kind of throw caution to the window their parishioners, you know, uh, don't, only believe, don't fear, you know, do not fear, only believe, you know, you just gotta trust God, no need to social distance, no need to change what you've been doing, just don't be afraid, just believe. That sounds very, very faithful. Sounds very, very, very spiritual. I even heard one TV preacher said, that said, you'll be safe from the coronavirus in church, the devil don't come in here. Listen, I've been pastoring for 30 years. Doc Anthony was a district superintendent for 21. I can tell you for a fact that is not true. (laughs) The devil does come. (laughs) Didn't I say something about dividing earlier? The devil does come. Don't give me that devil doesn't come in your garbage. That's more superstition than faith. Jesus is not a lucky rabbit's foot. He is not a four-leaf clover. Jesus is Lord. And he gives us brains in which we're to use. So the folks at home today, those who are joining us online, Uh, over because some over concerns of the coronavirus they're not less spiritual they're not less faithful we're glad for you to be joining in with us they've looked at their situation their health maybe they're caring for for someone who is in a high risk area and they've determined for the time being you know they they can't come right now they'll be back they'll be like Arnold Schwarzenegger I'll be back they'll be back I get that and that's good my point is Those who are at home right now, who are joining us online, aren't less faithful. Don't believe that. It's not a lack of faith that causes us to have a section for uh, high-risk people. It's using the brains that God gave us. Do you remember when the devil was tempting Jesus? He took him up to the high point on on the temple, and he said in so many words, listen, if you are who you say you are, jump off this temple and, and and god will send angels if you really are who you say or god will send angels and break your fall and you remember what jesus said to him do not put the lord your god to the test in other words god created gravity don't put him to the test don't be stupid so jesus words here don't be afraid just believe it's not faith in faith that we're talking about it's faith in jesus trust jesus we sang that song earlier it is so sweet to trust in jesus don't be afraid just believe let me also say this verse has been misused by, by prosperity gospel type of preachers. They use this verse all the time. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't fear, send me $1,000 or $10,000 seed money and you watch it grow. Don't be afraid, just believe. Or don't be afraid, just believe. God has to heal you. You have enough faith. God has to, has to, has to heal you. Just last year in a church in California, they were preaching this phony gospel and a tragedy, happened, a real tragedy. One of their youth pastor's children passed away. Maybe you saw it in the news. It made national news. Instead of having a funeral, they prayed and prayed and prayed for this little girl to be resurrected. It Didn't happen. Listen, they made Jesus out to be a genie in a bottle. Rub him the right way, say the right words, say the right prayer, and you'll get what you wish. You have to, you have to. That's not the way Jesus operates. Jesus' ways might not always be what we think, We may not even always understand it, but here's the thing, we can still trust in him. That's where faith comes in. It's saying we have faith in Jesus, not faith in faith, we have faith in Jesus. We're trusting in his ways. Can Jesus heal folks today? Yes, of course, we pray for it all the time. My goodness, uh, the pastors gathered around Lisa Faulkner, she came into the church office after she had chemo treatment. She came into the church office this week and we gathered around her and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed that God would heal her. Can I tell you, I want that more than anything in the world. Lisa's at home, she's probably watching the service. I want God to heal her. If he has my opinion, which he hasn't, if he has my opinion, that's my opinion. But faith in Jesus is saying Jesus is in control, not me. Jesus is gonna work, not me. Jerry said faith in Jesus. A woman who'd been sick for 12 years had faith in Jesus. You know, and like I told you, Jesus only healed, he he only raised three people from the dead. Jairus' daughter, widow of Nain's son, Lazarus. There are a lot more dead people than those three in Jesus' ministry. Jesus healed, we're told Jesus healed hundreds of people, but there are a lot more sick people that Jesus didn't heal. Jesus Jesus' ways aren't always our ways, but we can always, always trust in him. Jesus isn't a rabbit foot. He's not a lucky charm. He's not a, a, you know, make a wish and toss it into a well. He's not make a wish and blow out your birthday candles. He is Lord God Almighty. And sometimes his ways aren't, 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 we don't don't understand, we may not know until we get to heaven, but we can trust him, we can trust him, we can trust him. There's two things that happen in this lady's account that never happen anyplace else in the Bible. So I gotta bring them out because this is the only place it happens. The first thing that happens that never happens anyplace else is Jesus heals somebody and he doesn't even know that he's healed somebody. The Bible says in verse 29, immediately the the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? He healed her. He didn't even know he healed her who touched my garments. And disciples look around saying, Jesus, you know, we're not really social distancing here. What are you talking about who touched your garments? There's, there's a lot of people around here. But Jesus kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. That never happens in the Bible except here. Every other time, every other time Jesus heals somebody, you know, heals, sees a blind guy, heals a blind guy. He sees the demon-possessed guy, chases the demons out. But here, he heals her, doesn't even know where he heals her. My point, here, here's my theory I think on this. This lady, we're told she'd been, she'd been suffering for 12 years. Again, not just the, the disease, which was been terrible for 12 years, spent all of her money, went to all the doctors, nothing worked. She was an outcast for those 12 years. And my theory of this healing is that God just said, all right, enough is enough. No need for conversation, no need for anything else. She has faith, faith enough to just grab his, his garment. God knows what you need when we need it. Again, our faith is in Jesus. He is good. He is right. We can trust him. Jesus, the way Jesus works in your life, that's up to Jesus. Maybe he'll work in the way you think he should. Maybe he'll work in the timing you think he should, or maybe not. But his ways are always the best ways. I'm trusting in Jesus no matter what. That's the point. Now, second thing that happens, it only happens here. Of course, Jesus heals her, doesn't know he heals her. He starts looking around. The lady knows she's going to be found out, and she's afraid about that. The Bible tells us that she's trembling in fear, and she kneels before Jesus. And, you know, and is Jesus mad that she didn't ask for permission? Is he, is, he, is he going to take back the healing? What's going to happen? She doesn't know. And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Daughter, daughter, this is the only place in the whole Bible that Jesus calls anyone daughter. Only place, right here. My point, Jesus didn't need to stop. Remember Mark Sandwich. They're on the way to Jairus' house. Jairus is an important official, big cheese. His daughter's sick, she's gonna die. She's really sick. He didn't need to stop. He's already healed her. Get to Jairus' house, hurry up. On the double, get to Jairus' house. But he stops, he looks around, he sees this woman. He looks at her. She's on the ground, she's trembling and furious. She does not know what's gonna happen. And this lady who's been sick for 12 years. No worship for 12 years. No contact, really physical contact with her family. 12 years. Ultimate social distancing. We're getting sick of it and it's only been three months. And Jesus looks at this poor lady, daughter, daughter, go in peace. Who knows the last time she had anyone that spoke to her in a kind and loving manner? remember in the first century, if you were unclean, you were thought to be the worst sinner. And Jesus looks at this faithful lady who spent everything she had and has suffered for so long and maybe hasn't had anyone speak kindly to her for 12 years. And he looks at her, the only place in the mouth says, his daughter. Go in peace. Your faith, your faith, your faith. All these people have been saying you haven't got any faith. Your faith has made you well. Listen, Jesus knows what we need when we need it. That's the point. Maybe you need a physical healing today. Or maybe, maybe your deepest need is a healing deep in your soul, like this lady. Maybe you need both, like this lady did. I wish wish we could sit down, you and me, and I could look over, maybe even over a cup of coffee, socially distanced, of course, and I could say to you, how you doing? And you wouldn't just brush off that question with, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, Pastor, I'm fine. But you'd be really honest, you'd, be, you'd feel safe enough to tell me how you're really doing. And maybe you'd cheer your heart and you'd say, you know, things, this is what's going on. And, and, and we would pray. So let's pray. Lord, help us to be like Jairus or that sick woman Help us to take an attitude that, that no matter what, no matter what, we're gonna trust you. If we're gonna go down, we're gonna go down swinging. Help us to take the attitude like you've had, it ain't over till it's over. Dead girls or sick ladies or any of us, no matter what our situation, it's not too far gone for you. And Lord, we may not always understand your ways, but we know this, we can trust you always. And so help us to do just that. Lord, there's some folks at home, they've been going through it. There's folks at home that are sick. There's folks at home that are worried. There's folks at home that that just need your touch. They can't be here, but you can be there. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work in our homes as well. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for being in this place. Help us to dedicate our lives, to renew our hope and trust you every single day that folks will see you through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next Sunday.